today on the Christ Use You podcast, uh, I have Josh on the podcast. And the one thing Josh really highlighted so well is just what it's like being a member of the community, growing up in the community that that church is serving and really getting people to think about um, just from a different aspect of what it's like for people who are actually in that community and how they're viewing the church, right? Uh, I think a lot of times the church knows how they view the community, but doesn't often flip that around to think about how the community actually views the church. And Josh has some great ideas of things that people can do to, to jump in and to get in the game to, to actually serve the community around them. Welcome to another episode of the Christ Sees You podcast. Today, I have Josh Carminate on the podcast. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. What's up, man? Yeah, we uh, happy to be here. And uh, so this is going to be awesome because obviously we have conversations about this stuff all the time. We're always talking about community. We're always talking community engagement. Um, Just the other day, we were talking about just transactions and transactional giving and stuff like Let's just start right there. Let's just jump straight into it and just drop some of your thoughts on that, man. Yeah. Um, I think I was thinking about this like deeper yesterday. I think that the transactional church and the transactional like community has been that for so long that that's, that's what is expected. So that's why people do that and expect that so much. Right. So when I think when I, when I say transactional like interactions, I think from the church's perspective, um, it's really just like, okay, there's one big event. Let's do that. I remember um, in high school, we just have like these big events that we'd like bring a lot of people to and be like, okay, how much gospel can we share? How much, which isn't a bad thing. It's a really good, um, I think. It's a good starting point. Yeah, a good starting point. Mm-hmm. But what's, what's difficult about that is when it stops there, mm-hmm. right? So when we give the, we pull up to a community, we pull up to a school or whatever, and it's just one thing. Okay, we're giving you a whole bunch of food and gospel, and then we're out. We did it. We did our part, or like those um, mission trips that are just like a week long. You know, mm-hmm. you, you like go to a different country, you help like paint a school, and then okay, we're good, we out. You know, but then it kind of leaves like the kids at the school, and the church kind of like, where do these Americans go? Like they're gone. You know, so I think it, um, from the church's perspective, it's really expected to be one time, and you feel really good about it. Right. And then and then you're and then you're done. You could cross that off your list. And then from the community perspective, they expect every one summer, you know, every at the beginning of the summer or every Christmas time to have like a feeding or um like something or Easter, you know, you can come and like there's gonna be candy everywhere. But um that's what's uh that's what's difficult because then it's only one thing and then the gospel isn't just one day of year, mm-hmm. one week of the year. It's actually it should be every day. I mean we're Christians every day. We people are trying to help um, the community, the church, the church doesn't move around. The church is like here planted on this like corner. It's like Cottage Grove. And so it shouldn't just be like, oh, once a week, you know, it should be like every day. The community should know our names and should know like the people inside the building. And yeah, that's just, it's just, it's difficult in my mind. I'm like, cause the hard work of a relationship with the community and the people, it's like every day, but mm. we're here every Sunday. So why do they only know us at Christmas time mm. and Easter and when we're having a really big Ooh. summer event, you know? 
Like we're here every day. Yeah. Um, so usually I start off by just affirming the person, but I wanted to let Josh talk for a little bit, man, because this is it right here, Josh. Like what I love about your heart and how, how God has uniquely made you is you are constantly thinking about this stuff and you're constantly seeing the people who no one else is seeing. And that's what this podcast is all about. And like, you're my go-to guy when I know I have a Hispanic family. I do not speak Spanish, yeah. Josh. Obviously you do. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, I have you in my life to, to call on and you, and you've blessed a lot of people just with the fact that you are bilingual and whatnot. Um, but just give people, we're going to come back to that. Give give everyone just a, a rundown a little bit on your story. Um, just a little bit about you and your family and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was, I'm born and raised in Des Moines. Um, I don't know what street cottage grove is on. Is it like 20, like well, it'd be like considered 24th, 24th. Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised on 12th street, like literally like 12 blocks away. Mm-hmm. So pretty close to like cottage grove. I, I mean, I grew up I running around here, um, bikes. So uh, over, if you guys are from the neighborhood by the family dollar, like right behind there. Um, and yeah, so I was, I'm first generation. So I was first in my family to be born here. Um, I went to Meredith Hoover high school. Um, could tell I was elementary and yeah, I grew up in a Christian household uh, with a Christian family, both mom and dad. Um, but back then it was Pentecostal and it was the Hispanic Pentecostal. So like intensified, bro. Like, yeah, I mean, American Pentecostal is cool, but like Hispanic Pentecostal is like all night, like prayer service, bro. Mm-hmm. And we, we had these things called like vigilias and they would literally from the, when the sun goes down, it's when it starts and it ends when you can see the sun. It's nonstop prayer. 12 o'clock is like, all right. We're going to have, like, some, like, soup and, some, like, some coffee and bread. And when that, like, that's over, back to, like, praising and worshiping. So, like, that was, like, my, like, church background. Um, yeah, my community was, like, crazy diverse. Um, well, actually not crazy. Di- growing up it was, but, like, my neighborhood itself was, like, predominantly um, black and Hispanic. And then sprinkled in, like, Asian and white and, like, everything else that's, like, there. Um, so my mind growing up in a lot of different spaces. I mean, church was predominantly white. Uh, my middle school, high school was just a mix of everything. You know, there was like people from around the world. So that was really cool. And I think that's what, um, similar to you, what would tell my mind is have a different perspective is not having an option of perspective. You get everyone's, like in my classes, there'd be people from like some small villages and tribes in Africa. But then also like I met some people from my dad's like hometown of Guatemala, mm-hmm. you know, on the same math class. Yeah. And we're all just like, bro, we all struggling in math, but how these kids struggling in English, you know? And so, um, uh, a beautiful like it was it was natural you know so i go back like, it wasn't forced it was a kind of a natural perspective of learning everything um and now um before that for my family i just got four sisters no brothers and so you're the man of the house yeah sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes <laughs> i just kind of i just kind of do it lastly yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. whenever needs get done i get mm, done mm. i do it but um yeah now i'm a junior in iowa state uh, agriculture and society I think from all of that, from what I just explained, makes really a lot of sense what I want to do now. So I want to be, um, I mean, I'm studying agriculture and society, and I want to eventually put just a farm in a hood. So basically, it's hood like, farming, baby. Oh, yeah, man. It's, it, it's, it's a good thing. And I was, and I was explaining, it's like there's a family, so I was explaining it to them, and they're like, this is so good. Um, because specifically, we're like, let's say like you're right in the middle of like this neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't got a car. Mm-hmm. Like Sea Fresh, which is just a big like um, ethnic like food store, it's like all the way like by my house. So that's like a like a thirty minute walk, forty five. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then Hy-Vee, same same distance. So you right in the middle. So let's say if you put like a small store or a farm right here, um, run by this community. Now the community, like I just created jobs for like maybe ten people, stocking, like cashier, whatever. But then also like if we have some people farming with some produce, we could do that. Um, and then also along with education, so teaching black and brown people about agriculture, which is in Iowa, not a big thing, you know? So like a lot of Iowa is conventional farming, which is, um, soybean and like corn, which you see when you're trying to like drive up to Ames or drive out of Iowa. Like that's what you see is like conventional farming. This is unconventional farming, you know, cause people don't think of people of color in farming. They think of like John Deere. Well, well, why? So this is something I've talked with a lot of people about yeah. because this was a big shift in my life, right? To grow up in Toronto in the city and like farming is just not even in your brain at all. Yeah. Then I came here and I went to Iowa state and all of a sudden there's people there. They're, they're only from farm families, yeah, right? Bro. Yeah. And that's all they do. They're like, Nope, I'm coming here to get this degree. I'm going back to my parents' farm. I'm going to get this tractor life going. Yeah. And you know, we're going to keep, we're going to keep this farming going. They keep crazy. it in the family. It just passes down and down and down yeah. and down. Like I didn't, I didn't know anything about that. And I got so interested in it and I, kept asking myself this question why is farming seen as not cool for minorities <sighs> yo not cool i think because partially seems like a dirty work you know when i think of farming and this all like this all like kind of compiles so at my house we have we're kind of like low-key already doing what i want to do but just at a smaller scale and so we have like a ton of like Chickens in my backyard. We've had like goats. We've had turkeys and ducks. Um, we made a small little pond to have like little fishes and like swim around in, um, which is crazy. Like, Man, this, bro, y'all need to come hook my backyard. That's what I'm saying. Is I'm, it's, it's, we're actually blessed to live in the hood because like literally nobody cares. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot more things going on than just like some lady got chickens in her backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got it like we got it good. Um, but yeah, I just think it seems like it's so. I think it's so distant. Too, you know what I mean? So if I live where I live, the closest farm is probably 30 minutes away where I can meet the farmer, talk to him, you know, like look at his production, see what's going on. Um, It's like 30 minutes away. You know, some people don't have cars or the dart buses don't take me that far. And so I think the distance, but also it's just not something that people of color do. You know, it seems like, oh, like it's only like a white people thing or like a country thing. And I'm just not from there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think honestly, for me, it's still like an ongoing thing as, as to why, because even right now, when I talk about agriculture and I talk about like farming, I'm just like, does that really come out of my mouth? Is that really like what I want to do? But I think I look at the, the bigger scale of what it actually is. And that's why I'm in agriculture and society, because when you, you, when you say like, it wasn't even in your mind, it actually, it incorporates your entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you, if half of the agriculture people, um, and farmers that were invested in your life that you didn't know about stopped. Like you'd be, your life would be gone, you know, because agriculture involves everything of what you are, you know, like your food, like your clothing in, in America. Um, there's like the, the farm bill, which gets um, reassessed every five years, which talks about like food stamps, you know, so like a lot of people use food stamps. And, and so it just seems like a different world. And yeah, I think for me, it's honestly still just like an ongoing thing as to, as to why and like mm-hmm. reassessing myself as to why I have an issue with it. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Well, I think this actually flows right really nicely back into the transactional stuff because I think what's beautiful in terms of sharing the gospel with people where our church is, it's a food desert. When you have 
options for food that are really close. Mm. You get out of the transactional relationships because people are continually coming back. And that's what I've been realizing with this community engagement is that, yeah, if you just, you can just give someone 20 bucks and they're gone and you might never see them again, but yeah. what are you really impacting their life? Are you really helping change anything for them? Are, are they really knowing Jesus and being discipled? No, it's not happening. Yeah. The only way that happens is if there's a relationship, you consider that to be a friendship and that's growing and you're growing closer together as people. Um, talk a little bit about how you see, you know, this sustainable farming in the hood yeah. being something that actually can be a great opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest things when I first started, like, figuring this out of my mind of what I wanted to do was one of the first things that God created was a garden. Mm-hmm. You know, he, the Garden of Eden, and it was beautiful. And it was um, this garden where, one, they were told to work, so that was before the fall. So work is supposed to be after the fall. You know, right now, I think people see work as like, oh, man, I got to pull up, like, get up, get to work. It's early. They don't like their coworkers. But work, Adam did work before sin was in the world. You know, so I think that's one thing. But then also the idea of having a garden um, where you can connect back to the earth and connect back to God's creation, mm. I think is beautiful. And then the amount of times that we've talked and I've like talked about like when I was like gardening, when I was farming, I had this beautiful realization of the gospel. And like um, I was telling a story one time where there's a bush and this guy was like, hey, so this is this is the actual bush and this is a weed. Pull the weed out. I was here pulling the weed out, pulling the weed out. Turns out it was half this bush. And then like. Now the bushes like left, like some leaves were ripped out and like it's smaller than it was, but I took all the weed out. That's like God taking the sin out of our lives. So sometimes it hurts, take some leaves off, Ooh. but like you left with like what's true about yourself Preach. and like what, you know, what God wants you to be. Now you can grow instead of the sin like involving up in your life. And so I think with a garden and having it specifically in this neighborhood, um, yeah, like people can see this as a resource. It's a desert. It's called that for a reason. You know, when you look around in a desert, um, a food desert, like there's nothing, you know, um, there is like death and it looks like you alone. But when that should not happen, when this is a church in just my mind, like this is a church, this should be like a light. Nothing the other day, like we all become lights when we become, when we become believers, you know, what type of light is that? Is that a light that only shines on sin or is there a light that like it's a warm light? And when you're in the dark, you see like, oh, it's a distant light. Let's walk towards that. You find out, oh, this is a good, comforting life. And then mm. eventually we can move that over to sin. Be like, hey, there actually is some sin in your life. But once we've, like, fed you and you're not struggling no more, you know, we can, like, help you through that. And so as a church, being in a community in the neighborhood where we can have that resource, that sustainable resource, um, we've already got the most sustainable resource, which is the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. That's why we keep coming back. Mm. If it wasn't, we would not keep coming back. Amen. You know, and we've seen that with a ton of stuff in your lives. You know, once you graduate school, you've got everything that you've, do you want it? And if you didn't, you go to grad school. If you didn't, you just keep going to school until you figure out, hey, I've got what I wanted, now I can go, right? And so this is what the church should be for the community, right? But Jesus is never ending, so we should never stop coming. But also, the people never come if we never invite people, and they can never get that resource, mm. you know? And so that's part of one of the things that, like, just confuses me and hurts me the most. And I'm like, like, you guys, like, what are we doing in this neighborhood? It's just in my mind. It's just it's just very confusing. But like I think giving adding a farm, and saying people this is where we can get fed, because again we've had we said this before. Everybody loves food, you know. Everyone wants, especially people who are hungry. They'll eat anything, you know. And so like if it just would start off with one meal, hey every like we've done like every other Saturday, okay every Saturday we're gonna have meals, okay. And then every Saturday we're gonna have 
somebody speak, you know, while you're eating we can, or before you're eating, we can share like a quick gospel message or why we're doing this, you know, and explain it to the, to the neighborhood and the community. Hey, we're actually doing this because we want to make a relationship with you guys. And so we sit down, we start talking to people, gathering stories. Hey, we actually got a service on Sunday if you want to do that, you know, because now they're a little bit less hungry. They, their mind can go further than food. And so, yeah, it's just it's just a it's a long process, but it's a beautiful process because that is discipleship and that is gospel. You know. Well, that's just the thing, right? It's a long process, yeah. right? And I, I think what we go for is that quick transaction. That's what we've been told. Yeah, man. Because someone could come in your life and it's like, ah, you kind of just want to get them away. And it's like, you could just give them 30 bucks and they're gone. It's like, all right, they're gone. We, we did our part, yeah. guys, to get them out of here. But to be in their life, to invite them into your house, to have your kids be around, like that is a whole different level of like investing yeah. in someone and investing in people. And it takes time to then allow them to like, one of the things that's amazing to me that is, is meeting people in this community and knowing them for months before they open up and tell me like that they can't see and they need glasses. It's yeah. so embarrassing to them. It's like it's, there's shame associated with it and it takes months to get to that. Right. Um, but you know, maybe one thing you can talk a little bit more about is, why why do you think it is that this neighborhood is so diverse yeah but yet multiple of the churches in the neighborhood mm. are not i think and i was thinking about this yesterday from the christian perspective the believer perspective there is a lot of balances that we walk you know there's a balance of be in the world and not of it we're supposed to be in the world, but we're not supposed to be consumed by sin. You know, we should be like we should be different. You know, we should be a light on yeah, a, a light up, on a hill. Yeah, be set apart. But we're also supposed to have unbelievers in our lives to share the gospel. You know, to be that light, to to guide and to be Jesus. So not 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 that we're Jesus, not that we can do anything, but we're supposed to be a representative of the kingdom to mm-hmm. them. You know, so there's that balance of you're in the world, don't be consumed, but be a part of it so much that you can like change a little bit through Jesus. And then we have this of, you know, we do have sin in us. It's our nature, but also um, we're, we're changed. We're new, you know, like the Jesus is in us and we have that new, that new wine, that new body. So then we can live with a joyous life, but we're still sinful. That's why we need Jesus constantly. There's that balance there. Um, and I think where one of these balances has got off is, you know, we're believers, you know, we're in this bad, we're in this bad neighborhood, you know, some kids just like did this and I heard this about this. Like, let's just huddle in and like, this is our community. Let's stay, let's stay tight. You know, that's good. You know, and we're supposed to lean into our community, but also you're supposed to lean into your community. Where are you at? You know, look around you, um, invite people in. And you know, I think one of the, um, the big things that I had an issue with, um, in like mid 2019, early 2020 was like, why are churches so like monochrome? And, well, and then I had a conversation with this guy. He was like, like, well, they should be like comprised of the neighborhood that they're in. And then also just like diverse um, in every way, age, um, everything else, you know. And so I think just Christians are afraid to branch out. Honestly, I think I think it's a fear. And if you don't, and it's the fear of the unknown. Like I didn't, and then it's the fear of like association as well. So like you associate your mind with, okay. Poverty and crime are usually always coupled. Yeah. Yep. So if I if I branch out to this neighborhood, we're gonna bring in criminals. You know, we're gonna bring in, you know, bring in people. They might have a gun on them. They maybe smoke weed. You know, maybe they maybe they don't got a job. You know, 
who else needs Christ? Mm. You know, who else needs Jesus than the people who are just out on the streets? You you pull up and it's 12 o'clock and they're just sitting at the park. You know, full grown men and women just sitting at the park. They need Jesus. Mm. You know, what else are they going to do? Mm. I think the church is, uh, you know, afraid of that association with them. You know, but Jesus wasn't afraid of that association. And then also just the fear of change. You know, when you have something for so long that you think is beautiful, changing that is, and I'm speaking to myself on this one too, just because there's some stuff in my life that I've seen that are changing. I'm like, I want to hold on to what's what's here right now. But um, the the fear of change, I think, is also what has hurt the church a lot because with, with a lot of change, like we don't want to change the gospel. Yeah, but the gospel does involve everything in our lives. Jesus Christ had had something to say about everything, you know? And if he didn't, then... Now we're operating in a realm where Jesus doesn't operate, which is untrue, mm-hmm. you know, because Jesus operates everywhere. And so I think the fear of change of like, well, our church is going to get more diverse or the music's going to change or maybe like the gospel is going to change. Do you have more faith in, in the people or more faith in, in the Bible? You know, and so I think sometimes people have more faith in um, the perception of what's going to happen than like what they know to be true, which is Jesus or what they say they know to be true is Jesus. And so. Yeah, and. Yeah, I don't know. And then that also just confuses me as to why you'd be in this neighborhood if you're so afraid of everything. If you want to be monochrome, just stay where, just go somewhere where you can, where you think it'd be nice, you know, or where you think it'd be clean. Woo! Uh, I don't know. That's, that's, just, that's just like, cuts so, the, like, so this deeper, is the yeah. thing. This is the thing, though. That it, it does cut deep, right? Because I think that's specifically here at our church. Yeah. That is a dynamic that has created tension, right? Is like people come to cottage grove because of the salt network right yeah so you went to iowa city you know you, you went to you mean you went to school in iowa city you went to iowa and you went to salt there or you went to you and i and then you get a job here in des moines and you're like okay cool i'm gonna go to a, a church that's in the network that yeah. what i'm used to so you so it doesn't matter where you live yeah, in your mind, I've heard, yeah and I've heard that story you're like too. yeah you, you you go live out in johnson but you're like this is the church I'm going to go to because this is one that I'm familiar yes, with. Or whatever. So then you come, but like, this is actually part of why, and this is what the mistake that we've made because I think racism, prejudice, these type of things have become sins that we don't want to shepherd people through. Right. Mm-hmm. So we just get mm-hmm. frustrated and we just go, Oh, what's wrong? And it's like, no, it's like, so if you live in the suburbs, but you go to church here, how do we shepherd people well so that they can see more people? Because the yep. reality is, right, like hearing your story, I guarantee you there's no one listening to this like, oh, this guy's ridiculous. Like they're hearing it and they're like, oh, man, like I never thought of these things. Right. Yeah. yeah because yeah. they haven't been exposed to, to, to what to what you've been exposed yeah. to. But that goes to the importance of doing things like this podcast and like continuing to be in people's lives and helping to shepherd them so that they're like, oh, man, now when they come to church and they drive through certain neighborhoods, they drive down certain streets, they see things different and they go, mm. wow, like. This isn't a neighborhood to be feared. Like the amount of times we've walked down 23rd, 22nd, handing out tacos, handing out food. Yeah. And people are so nice to us. People are amazing. It's like that, that, that detachment of poverty and crime is something you talked about that is huge, but it's like, if you haven't experienced that for yourself, how would you make that? How would you detach those two things? Right. All you know is that man, places where there's more poverty, there's more crime. So I'm just always going to. Yeah. associate this, those crime, things yeah, you know what I mean poverty. yeah I think one of the biggest things I think for people who do commute in you know is 
like after you listen to this or after you like have an experience like and you're like i want to make a change but you don't know how or like they just don't have that exposure experience like everything that you pray for and everything that you ask god of that's in it that aligns with his will and his glory he's not going to deny you of it mm. or maybe it's just going to be um pushed back a little bit so if you ask god like hey god i guarantee you guys not going to sit up in heaven and be like man ian's asking me for my eyes to see for his community and the way that he can help people god's not going to be like no, that's mm. not good. I'm not going to give him that. You know, that's not, that's not Ian's time. But do you really want that? And you're like, yeah, God, I really want it. He sees your heart. He's like, all right, he's going to give it to you. He's going to give you those eyes. And when you sit in Cottage Grove and you look around and you look at this neighborhood, he's gonna, you're going to be able to see it. You know, and it's going to hit hard. And you're going to be like, I don't know what to do. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. You're here. Ian's here. You know, there's people in the community who already want to help. And there's people like resources like you and like um, like Ben Spellman, like Juan, what he's doing. You know, there's, there's things that, people already doing that you can help. So if you listen to this, like in, and you want to like help and you, you have those eyes and those ears and you really pray for that, God's not going to deny you of that, but also it's going to be harder to actually follow up that call, you know? And that's what, cause you can't unsee it. Like once you cannot, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. once your, once your eyes get opened up to something, um, yeah, you, 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 you can't unsee that. And like, I think even with this podcast, like one thing I want to do is get like widows on here, right? Yeah. Because it's the same thing, right? Like, there's so many populations and types of and groups of people that they just get overlooked. And it's like, God is telling us, no, no, no. Like I see these people like the, yeah. the like salvation is truly for everyone. It's not just for middle-class comfortable people. It's for all everyone from mm. the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich. One thing, I don't know if you remember this, um, Caramon really smacked me with this one. He said, how come, how come we don't do church plants in Beverly Hills? Mm-hmm. I was like, Whoa, like just thinking about that, it's like good. how many rich people out there don't even think they, they don't they don't even think they need Jesus. They're like, yeah. I have too much money to need a savior. Like I'm yeah. my own my money yeah. is my savior, right? And it's like, but we don't think of like how do we how do we help these people? Yeah. How do we support these people? We don't we don't think about that. We automatically think yeah. of oh, the poor people. But it's like again, when it comes to poor people, it's transactional. It's very like, mm. how can I give you give you this one thing that you need yeah, and, and go fix. instead of how do I be in your life consistently every single day? You know, mm. um, one thing you did talk about, and I think this will help to, to wrap it up for everyone. You were talking about that transactional re- relationship with kids and like mm, how that, yeah. how that draws out to how we can see people. I think um, with kids. And so I think so, sometimes this, I, I heard this in relation to like um, racism and, you know, making friends with people of different colors and cultures. Like, I just don't know how to, I just don't know how to relate to someone. Um, I said, that's a different color or race to me. That's a lie. You know, that's, that's a whole lie because you do actually know how to relate to people a lot. You know, if you look at your life, you look, you got a lot of friends, you're, you're a part of a lot of communities, work, school. Um, maybe if you're in some different types of clubs, maybe you play a sport, you relate to a, peop- a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Um, but now that it's amplified on like color and culture, like all oh, people kind of like buckle, you know, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, no, you actually do know what to do. You got a lot of friends. Um, and p- specifically people with kids or if you work with kids, this isn't you actually know exactly what you're doing. You know, you know how to you know how to have a relationship with kids because you see the families and you see people who have transactional relationships with kids. It's, you know. Here, take the iPad. OK, here, have some candy. All right, no, you can go play in the back room. Just no, get out because we're trying to do something. We're having an adult talk. We're trying to run a podcast or we're trying to read the Bible or like I'm trying to watch my show. It's transactional. It's quick, you know? And so when the kids, 
when it comes time for those parents and these families to have like more serious time with these kids, they're like, oh no, it's transaction. So no, like it's a serious time where the kids run away or they're like, they'd be crying or like, they're just like, like bad kids, you know? But when you see like, when I see your kids, you know, like it's not a transaction. It's a, it's a, you took time to explain to your, to your kids as to why they got to be quiet right now is because we're praying or we're reading the Bible or we're doing something that, you know, is of importance, you know, and then it requires like a little bit more stillness, right? But after that's done, yeah, we can, we can run around, we can wrestle, we can laugh, we can do that because you took that time to tell them this is a time for peace and quiet. And this is a time for, yeah, you can actually play your kids and like, that is a part of your life, mm. you know? And we can see that with families and parents and just the way that they interact with their kids. You know, like if you're a parent and you just like, it's a quick fix that you know that this will get your um, kid to stop crying or to like just stop bothering you. It's quick, you know, but it, it shows in the long run, you know, it's, and it's always going to be long, especially with kids. You, know, you can't just get rid of your kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, but like you really can't. You know, they're always going to be your kids. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah, you can see that. And then that, that just goes back into like how that flows into your life of transactional periods with the community and with the church. So, yeah. Man, that's good, man. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, it, the more I look at my own kids, the more I understand why we're called children of God, mm. because kids teach us a lot about patience. Yo. Uh, they teach us a lot about, um, yeah, like grace and forgiveness. Like you want to get so mad at them, but it's like, I remember as I get mad at my kids, I, I'm reminded of how God is getting frustrated and yeah. mad at me from, from my own sin. Um, but yeah, that, that, that call for anyone listening to move away from transactions and move into deep relationships it will change everything. And, and for anyone who's come to me and been like, man, I want to get involved with community, community stuff. I want to you know be involved with mercy. It's like one of the best things you can do is go build a relationship with someone very different from you. Mm. Just have a deep relationship with someone you typically would not have a relationship with. And it won't be transactional, right? Cause yeah. when you're friends with someone, it's not just them calling you and asking for something. It's you calling them and asking for something yeah. cause they have dignity too. Right. It's you calling them just to hang out and go, you know, yeah, go hang out, go get food, go get lunch or, or, or whatever. It, but it's going both ways. And see, that's even what like what Jesus did. Jesus didn't start handing out stuff and like doing these crazy miracles until like middle half of his ministry. The first part, he was just like meeting people. He's like, Hey, yo, disciples, come on. And then they just have, like sit down and have meals together and talk. And eventually it turned into miracles. And then it started like being crowds. And then like the prophecies started being fulfilled. But that first half was him just like, let me just get to know people. Like it was like, it was that mercy, you know, it was that like, okay, let's, let's, let's start the ministry. You know, you can't have the, the end half without like starting it. Mm -hmm. You couldn't have the crowds without just, it was just him sitting in a room like praying, you know, I mean, he was Jesus. He could have done it, but like he really took the time to go walk in the streets. He saw Matthew like collecting taxes or he went to Nicodemus's house and he's like, he sat down with him and he talked to him. He's like, Hey, this is Jesus could do this because he could, you know, talk about their sin. Well, we're not, we shouldn't, we shouldn't just direct people like to their sin, but we should like sit down and have a meal with them, figure out their story and then figure out our story. You know, we got both that we got a lot to share. You know, that is a beautiful transaction. That's where it is beautiful because you can share stories and complete that cycle and become friends, family mm -hmm. in the kingdom of God. Praise God, man. Well, Josh, I just want to keep encouraging you to keep doing what yeah, you're man. doing, man. I, you're 20, 21 now, right? Yeah, 21. 20, 21 years old, man. And um, God has blessed you with wisdom and uh, just keep keep leaning on his strength, man. I think a lot of what you want to do with the farming and stuff, as 
crazy as it sounds, because it always makes me even go like, man, like, yeah, well, same, that's, huh? yeah. But um, I think God's called you to something for for a reason, man. And like, I think whatever that is going to end up looking like, man, God's going to bless that ministry one day, man. So yeah, I, you, I appreciate man. you hopping on the podcast. Keep seeing people like you have been, man. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And definitely is a, an encouragement to anybody out there. Like, yeah, just pray for real. Just, just pray for like God's eyes and God's mm-hmm. ears. And I'm not going to deny that to you. Thank Amen. You, All right. That's another episode, baby. Thank you so much for listening to the Christ Sees You podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, to share your own story, or to connect me with someone who has an amazing God story, my email is iwarner at cottagegrovedsm.com. That's iwarner at cottagegrovedsm.com. And if you want more of this podcast, make sure you subscribe. See you next time.